I'm going to encourage you to grab your Bibles wherever you're viewing today, and let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue in our series called Jesus and, and this morning we're going to look at Jesus and anxiety. We're going to jump right in. Matthew chapter 6, start reading in verse number 25. Jesus says this, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, Or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look to the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is uh, today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or the unbeliever, seeks these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now here's here's what I love about Jesus and his teaching is that Jesus does not shy away from the very real struggles that we face in life. Like Jesus doesn't shy away from meeting us where we are. Oftentimes when we think of uh, maybe uh, spiritual lessons or teaching, we, we want to minimize where we are and, and not really acknowledge it or maybe push it aside and, and ignore it. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus steps right in to the very real life circumstances that we find ourselves in and he addresses those areas of our life. So for those who would say, man, uh, Jesus is not relevant to today, I would say to you, listen, if you've ever experienced anxiety, I would say Jesus is very relevant because he wants to meet you in the anxiety and give you hope in the midst of the struggle. And the truth is, is that anxiety is so real for so many of us. I know in my own life that I have battled seasons of anxiety. And this can become a very debilitating battle for so many of us. And in certain times as we're in today, I know that for many, the anxiety levels are multiplied. One of the things that you see constantly on the news today is the concern of because of the uncertainty and the extreme isolation that we find ourselves in, that we know that many people who already struggle with anxiety are going to have even greater battles of anxiety. And so we, we want to address this and, and to look into this this morning because this is something that we all would say at seasons of our life we've dealt with. You say, what is anxiety? Well, according to the APA, this is how they define anxiety. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. I saw another definition of this. It just simply said it's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something, think about this, with an uncertain 
outcome. And here is the reality. I think according to this definition, I think all of us would say to some degree there is an elevated sense of anxiety in our life because of the uncertainty that we find ourselves in in the current uh, crisis. And here, here is the truth. The truth is anxiety in and of itself and those feelings that we have when there is something in front of us that's uncertain or, or maybe something in front of us that's a little bit troubling, that anxiety in and of itself, that, that, that physical response in those moments are not necessarily sinful. In fact, I would say that, that God has given us some of these alarms in our life to help us see when there's potential danger in front of us. But the problem is in our brokenness and the fallenness of our sinful condition, we have a tendency uh, to, to now lean into those feelings where then those feelings, rather than becoming an alarm system that says, hey, something is not right. Let me kind of see what the Lord needs from me. What we do is we end up leaning into those feelings, isolating ourselves, focusing in on them. And rather than them being simply an alarm system in our life, they become something that paralyzes us and cause harm in us, both physically and socially. And it can really throw our life into a massive uh, tailspin. If you've ever battled severe anxiety, it can oftentimes lead to depression and isolation and, and, and all kinds of issues, both physically and socially. And we need to look into this. I, I love what the writer of Proverbs says. He really captures uh, for us what anxiety does in our life. Listen to what is written. Uh, the Proverbs 12, 25 says this. It says, anxiety in a man's heart, listen to this, weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And so what, what the writer of this proverb is saying, Solomon is just simply saying to us, listen, when you carry anxiety, it is like being weighed down. It's like carrying a bag of rocks that just weigh you down and, and cause you to be uh, paralyzed and it hinders your mobility. In fact, I brought, I brought um, a bag of anxiety with me this morning. I've got a, a, a massive bag of rocks here, and this is what the writer of Proverbs is telling us. He's saying, listen... When, when anxiety is dominating your life, it's like carrying around a backpack full of rocks. I brought some, uh, some different anxieties that we carry around with us. Some of us, man, we, we are uh, overwhelmed. We carry uh, the anxiety of relationships. Man, we've got this, this weight that we have, and it could be Man, I'm in a season, I don't like the, the, the singlehood. I don't like where I am in regards to my singlehood. So I have this anxiety of will I ever meet the one and will we ever uh, really connect? And is this going to be uh, my future to be single forever or am I going to be married one day? Others of you, you're carrying relational baggage of anxiety in regards to maybe the marriage you're in. And it's not where you want it to be. And so you're living with constant anxiety over hoping that the status changes and the relationship improves. Some of you have stressful relationships, relationships that are strained or broken or there's friction in your life. And, and now you're kind of daily carrying around this anxiety of broken relationships. Uh, other stressors in our life, we have uh, the stressor of, of our kids' education. Man, and we're just kind of all the time just feeling the, the weight of, man, I want my kids to have better opportunities than I did, and I want them to get into the college, but man, their GPA has got to come up, and they've got to be able to uh, work harder and put a little more time in, and so you're constantly stressed out about your kids' education and where they are, and then 
uh, in the season we're in, now the, the, the schoolwork and the anxieties of education now becomes massive because now I am homeschooling my kids and now their future is dependent upon my ability to give them an adequate education in my home and I didn't prepare for this. And so now some of you, you have even more anxiety in regards to your kids' well-being and their future and education and all of that. Others of us, man, we carry around, man, this is the, the weight of, of my financial position. And you worry constantly about making ends meet. You're stressed about the finances and you're stressed about your retirement. And there's just all kinds of anxiety building up inside of you because of maybe some of the uncertainty of your financial well-being. And you're carrying this weight around. And then... If that wasn't enough to have the relationships and the finances and the education, then you throw, you throw the coronavirus in the mix. And now all of those things are compounded. And then you add upon that the stress of when is this going to end? Is this going to be over? Am I going to get sick? Is someone I love going to get sick? If they do get sick, are we going to be separated from one another? How in the world are we going to make it economically? Am I going to have a job when I get out of this? And so understand in the season we're in, those stresses get heavier and heavier. And so many of us, especially in times like this, this is what our life looks like. We've got this weight that we're carrying, and this is what the writer is saying to us. He's saying, listen, when you carry anxiety, it is like taking the backpack full of rocks and carrying it wherever you go, and it just weighs you down. I'm not going to preach with this because that would be too stressful, and I would have all kinds of anxiety. But this is the way that many of us we live our life. And here is the reality. When, when our anxiety levels, when we're carrying the backpack, it, it tends to weigh us down, bog us down, and then it triggers responses in our life that are unhealthy. Oftentimes bad decisions and bad perspectives in life and, 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 and the way that we uh, look at relationships and finances and all of the circumstances around us, all of a sudden then we begin to act out in those things in ways that are even more harmful and at times even sinful. In fact, the reason that we've got to address this issue is John Piper makes this observation about how oftentimes unhealthy stress and unhealthy anxiety will lead us in to bad decisions. This is what Piper writes. He says, think about how many other sins are connected to the root sin of anxiety. Anxiety about money will cause you uh, to hoard or steal. Anxiety about succeeding uh, will make you irritable and impatient with those around you. Anxiety about relationships will make you withdraw or indifferent toward other people. Anxiety about what others think about you will make you lie and stretch the truth. Now listen to what he says here. He says, if anxiety could be conquered, a mortal blow would be struck to many other sins. And this is the reality. Is that anxiety is something we can't just brush under the rug and say, well, this is just the way that God made me. I'm going to live like this. We have got to meet it head on. And this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to see what Jesus says about anxiety. Now, listen, before we jump in, I just want to make this statement. I want to make sure that we're not just throwing a blanket uh, over this subject of anxiety. What I'm going to share with you this morning is going to be from a, 
a spiritual and theological perspective in how Jesus helps us walk through anxiety. But I know that for some watching today, anxiety is not just a small thing in your life. It is a debilitating thing in your life, and it might be clinical, or it might be uh, something that uh, needs a counselor. So here's what I would encourage you is, is listen this morning, take notes. Let's grow in our understanding of what Jesus says about it. But for some of you, you, you are feeling an unhealthy level of anxiety that's leading you to depression and maybe unhealthy thoughts. I would encourage you to call your doctor. Talk to them about what you're feeling. Uh, reach out to a, a Christian trusted counselor and see if you can work through some of those stresses that you're feeling. I know here at New Beginnings we have a strong partnership in the East Texas area with a, a counseling center called Hope Road. And I, I know that uh, Hope Road has a number of counselors who would be qualified to help you if the anxiety levels in your life are, are, are something that you need to let a professional uh, help you navigate through. And so I want to encourage you, if, if this is a, a massive struggle for you, reach out and seek some professional help. But for most of us, anxiety is an area of our life where we just need to grow spiritually. It's a discipleship issue. And so as we dive into this this morning, I just want to see what Jesus says about this subject. Now, one of the things that we notice in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus deals with this subject, and what he does is something that's a part of the greater context of what he's doing throughout chapter 6 of Matthew. See, Matthew 6, the passages we just read, Jesus is in a sermon that we know of as the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like for the kingdom of God to be ushered in and for you to become a kingdom person, for you to walk in a kingdom lifestyle. So one of the things that he does is that throughout this passage, he is going to give uh, contrasting commands. He's going to give a, a negative command, and then he's going to give a positive command. It, it looks like this. Stop doing this. That's the negative command. And then he's going to say, start doing this. So he'll say, hey, stop praying like this, because that type of praying is from an earthly perspective. But start praying like this, because that's how people in the kingdom give their focus in prayer. He says, stop fasting like this, but start fasting like this. Stop giving like this, but start giving like this. So you see this contrast between this negative command of stop this because that's an earthly perspective and shift your behavior and shift your perspective to being kingdom focused. And this is how you behave and respond and live in regards to the kingdom. And this is what Jesus is going to do in regards to this subject of anxiety. He's going to help us understand there is a culture shift that's needed. I don't know if you've ever traveled outside the country. We've done a lot of, of, of international mission trips. I've been to various countries uh, and, and, and places around the world. And one of the things that we have to constantly remember when we leave the American culture and go to a foreign country, we're going to also a foreign culture, which means the operation and, and the, the way in which we interact here in the United States does not always translate to the culture that we're moving to. And so there has to be a, a switch mentally to go, okay, we no longer are really playing by the same rules when we get to this country because the culture is different. Therefore, uh, the behavioral structure is going to be different. And this is what Jesus is doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, listen, you've, you've been operating from an earthly culture, and now that you are entering into the kingdom, there is a, a culture shift that has to happen. And this is what Jesus says. Here are the commands that we find 
in regards to anxiety. Verse 25, Jesus says this, Therefore, I tell you, and then he's going to give the negative command, do not be anxious about your life. Now, we know that this is a big deal because not only is the word anxious used a number of times throughout the entire passage, but the command is actually repeated three times. He says it again in verse 31. He says it again in verse 34. This negative command of do not be anxious or do not let worry be what consumes you or controls you. This is the idea. Don't put the backpack down of anxiety and live with all of this worry and stress in your life. And he uses this, and I love this because Jesus gets really practical. Because the reality is most of the stress that we carry, most of our anxiety is related to just the common areas of life. And this is what Jesus does. He says he's talking to a group of people and he knows that many of them are struggling with providing food for their family. They're struggling with uh, their, their shelter of where they're going to live. They're worried about the clothing. And so what Jesus does is he enters into the very common, basic anxieties of life and says, listen, I don't want you to live your life. Stop living your life being overly anxious about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and where you're going to live. And I know that's common, but we could add to that. If Jesus was to speak to us, he would say to us, this isn't Listen, don't, don't worry about the economy. Don't be overly stressed about uh, the coronavirus. Don't let the uncertainty of, of maybe uh, how long this is going to last and whether you're going to be sick control your life. Jesus wants to meet us in the very real areas, and he's going to say to us and it's just simply this, do not be anxious. Stop being anxious. That's the negative command, but then in verse 33, we see the positive command. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. Now, this positive command really helps us understand uh, the shift that has to happen. It's the antidote of anxiety. So he says, don't live your life being worried and bogged down with all the stresses and the, the things of your life that are uncertain, but rather, here is the positive command, seek the kingdom of God. Now, what I love about this in the original language is that this is in a present active imperative. Imperative is simply a command. Active is something you do. Present is something that is constant. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is stop living with all kinds of unnecessary anxiety and start pursuing the kingdom of God. You see, it's about a shift of perspective In essence, he's saying, don't live with your focus on the things of this world, because that is what anxiety is. It is living with an unhealthy focus on the circumstances of life and the uncertainties that we're facing in our current situation. But instead, he says, you need to shift your focus and begin to pursue the kingdom. Now, this is important that we understand. I love this, that Jesus doesn't just simply say, hey, stop it. If you're anxious, just stop being anxious. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, I want you to not be anxious. I want you to pursue the kingdom. In other words, Jesus doesn't say, stop it. Jesus says, replace it. Oftentimes when we try to will ourselves out of worry and out of stress and out of fear and out of anxiety, it really just drives us deeper into it. And the truth is what we need in those moments is not to look at the anxiety and try to stop it. What we need is to shift our focus and begin to pursue something greater 
than those situations and circumstances and uncertainties that we're facing. Last week, I talked about this uh, in our a sermon um, in regards to Isaiah 6. I talked about the difference between living your life looking through a microscope and living your life through a telescope. And this, in essence, is what Jesus is saying here, is that when you are living with anxiety, you are looking through the lens of the microscope and you're taking things that are relatively small in life and you're enlarging them and you're being consumed by them. But what you need to do is to stop looking into the microscope and you need to get to the telescope and begin to see the greater work of the kingdom of God and shift the focus from the temporal to the eternal. In essence, it's get your your head up and begin to focus and pursue the things that Jesus has for our life. And here is what Jesus is teaching here. And this is critical that we understand this, is that Jesus is helping us understand in this moment that the antidote of anxiety is to pursue the kingdom of God. It is not just to stop something, it's to pursue something. And this is what Jesus is teaching us, is that our anxiety, don't miss this, is not neutral. It is not neutral. Our anxiety reveals the things that our hearts are attached to. And so when we worry about the common things of life, it is showing that our hearts are attached to those things. They're attached to health and wealth and financial stability and the comforts of this world. And so when we are constantly living in anxiety over those things, it just reveals that our hearts are tied to those things. But when we begin to pursue the kingdom of God, here's what we do. Our heart becomes attached to and tied to the greater purposes and the greater mission that he has for us. So rather than living with our emphasis and focus on the temporal, we are now living with our focus on the eternal and trusting that God will provide the temporal if I'm focusing on the eternal. I mean, this is revealing what we truly desire and we long for. I'll illustrate it like this. I'm actually going to borrow this from a Pastor J.D. Greer. He, he talks about the fact that our anxiety and our worry really reveals our attachment. And I'll just say it like this, is that for most of you watching, I'll tell you this is for me, is the case is that I really don't worry about other people's kids. I'm not stressed about their grades. I'm not stressed about their relationships. I'm not stressed about your kids. I love you and I love your kids, but I've not lost any sleep over your kids' GPA and what college they will get into. But I have stressed about my kids. And I think you could say the same thing about your family. You're not losing sleep going, I wonder if the Connors kids are well-fed today and if they got their schoolwork done and if their grades are going to pass. You've never worried about that. Why? Because your hearts are attached to your children. Therefore, your anxiety is going to be drawn to them and attached to them. And see, in our life, when we're constantly consumed with the things of this world, it just is revealing to us that maybe we have put too much emphasis and focus on the things that are temporal. And this is why Jesus is saying, you want to get out of the rut of anxiety? Seek first the kingdom of God. Elevate your perspective. And begin to live for things that are of eternal nature, trusting that God is going to take care of the things that are temporal. And the question is, how do we do this? How do we make this shift? 
Because the, the, the reality is, I mean, I don't think anyone watching this is going to go, no, I don't think that's going to work. I think I need to carry the backpack around because I can handle it and I'm going to walk in that. I think all of us would say, oh, yes and amen. I need to get my focus off of the temporal and the things that are stressing me out. And I need to get my focus on the eternal. I need to shift from anxiety to trust by pursuing the kingdom of God. But how do I do this? And I love this because Jesus, throughout this entire passage, is, gives us some understanding about God, his sovereignty, and his love for you and me. And really what Jesus does throughout the entire passage is he tells us to stop something, to start something, and then he tells us some truths about our Heavenly Father that gives us confidence and helps us make the shift and make the focus because we know we can trust him. Let me get you to write a couple of things down. Here are some things that you need to know about God if you want to shift your focus from anxiety to pursuit of the kingdom of God. Here's a couple of things to write down that I think Jesus wants you to know about the Father that will absolutely help you walk in victory over anxiety. Number one, here's the first thing you need to know, that God cares about you. He is a perfect Father. That God cares about you. You see, for some of you, you have bought into the lie of the enemy that the, the, the Heavenly Father doesn't care for you that God has forgotten you. But I want you to know that Jesus says that God loves you and he cares for you and he is a loving heavenly father. Listen to what Jesus says here in verse number 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Now listen to this rhetorical question. Are you not of more value than they and what is the answer the answer is yes you're more valuable and listen to what he's saying here is if God cares for the birds of the air that do not bear his image will he not also care for you and place value on your life Jesus goes on uh, to say he says listen consider the grass of the field they are clothed in splendor and yet their life is cut short and, and they are forgotten so if God clothes the grass is he going to care for you and clothe you as well and then in verse 31 Jesus says this I love this he says therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear in other words Jesus is saying listen if God cares for the birds and God cares for the grass but he cares more for you then this releases you. If God provides the basic things for the grass and the birds, he's going to care for you as well. And then he says this. He says, for the Gentiles seek after these things, after all of these things. The unbelievers seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. I love this. Listen to me. He says, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The reason this is important is because Jesus in this moment is reminding you and me that we are adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. That He is our Father. And just like I care for my children and I want to provide for my children, we have a Heavenly Father that's even greater than any earthly father we could ever imagine. He is a perfect Heavenly Father and He cares for you. You are not forgotten. You are loved and you belong to Him. This is what Jesus wants us to know. And this is why we cannot be anxious, but we can pursue the kingdom. Here's number two. Write this down. Not only does God care about you, He is a perfect Father. Listen, God will always provide. He knows exactly what you need. 
He says, if God is your father and values you more than the birds of the air and more than the grass of the field, and he provides for them, will he not also provide for you? I love what Jesus is doing here. He's contrasting birds that we really don't give two thoughts about or grass that we've never even asked the question of the grass going to be taken care of because they're seemingly insignificant. And he says, yet God not only cares for those things that we would see as insignificant, but God provides for them as well. That God knows exactly the amount of water that the grass needs. He knows exactly the amount of, of, of food that will nourish the birds and what they need for shelter. And he cares for them and provides for them. And because we see that, we know that because we belong to him, he will also provide for us as well. I love what Jesus does. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And then if you go over to chapter 7, don't miss this. This is incredible and it's exciting. In chapter 7, he begins to give us this invitation. As children, we now have access to the God of the universe who is also our Father and we can draw near to Him in our anxiety and near to Him in our stress and we can request of Him and make our petition before Him. Listen to what Jesus goes on to say in, in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who uh, asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. Now, listen to the little illustration that Jesus uses here in verse 9. He says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? In other words, he's saying, listen, how many of you earthly fathers, if your son said, hey, I need a piece of bread, you're going to give him a rock and he's going to bite his teeth into it and he's going to break his teeth. No, he's not, you're not going to do that. How many of you, if your, your son or daughter asked for a, a fish, that you're going to give him a serpent instead that could harm them? And the, the point Jesus is making is that no earthly father would do that. And then he goes on to make the application. Look what he says. If then you who are evil, you sinful fathers, broken fathers, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Listen, we, we know that God is a good, good Father. And He knows how to give good gifts to His children. He knows how to provide for our needs. So I want you to know that whatever you're anxious about, whether it's relationship struggles or whether it's financial struggles or whether it's uh, uncertainty about the future or health struggles, whatever it might be, here's what you need to know. Your heavenly Father will provide. He knows exactly what you need. You say, man, I've, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and I've asked God for X, Y, and Z and he's not come through. Here's what you can know, that because he is a good father, you need to know that every good gift that he has for you will come to you. And if he has not given you something you're asking for, it might not be time for that or it might be that he has something better for you. But because he's a good father, we can rest and say in his time and in his will, I can trust that he will give me what his best is for me. This is critical here that we trust God in this. My kids every now and then will ask for uh, a Coke or a Dr. Pepper, something with unbelievable caffeine and sugar in it uh, near their bedtime. 
And in, in particular, you know, when, when this question is asked in the middle of the day or earlier on the day, I'm like, sure, you have a Coke, have a Dr. Pepper. But if they ask this question before bedtime, what am I going to say? I mean, absolutely not. You're not going to have that. Why? Not because I'm a bad father and don't want to give good things to my kids, because I know that the caffeine is going to keep them up all night. And because I know best, I'm going to restrict them from getting what they're asking for. And so he, here's the thing. If God is, is infinitely wise, then here's what you need to know. As you plead and as you pray and as you take your petitions before the Lord, you can trust that as a good father, he will provide everything you need. Which leads me to number three. God cares about you. He is a perfect father. God will always provide. He knows exactly what you need. Now, don't miss this. God is in control. He is sovereign over everything. And this is the point Jesus is making in the entire passage that God is in control, that you have a heavenly father that reigns sovereignly above everything and we can trust him. He, he, he's the one who, who feeds the birds and gives them shelter. He's the one that clothes the grass. In other words, God is in control of every area of the universe. Therefore, I can trust him. I love what he says in verse 27. Some of you need to hear this. I love this. This is another rhetorical question Jesus asked. He says, and which of you by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And the answer is, not a single one of us, that worry doesn't really help the situation. Why? Because we are sovereign over nothing. You can worry about your health, but it's not going to change your health. You can worry about your food and your economics, but it's not going to change your circumstances. None of us are going to live a day longer because we worried about living a day longer. Because we are not in control of anything. And this is where anxiety becomes sinful in our life. When we live with an over-obsession of, man, I have got to figure this thing out, then we are playing the sovereign role in the moment. But we have a God, listen, who unlike us is sovereign. And he is in control of all things. And we can trust him. He is the one that rules and reigns over everything. The scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. I love what one uh, theologian said. Listen to this. He says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. In other words, Everything in the universe, Jesus rules over. He possesses and he is in control. And here is the great news for you and me. And this is why we can shift from being anxious about our life to pursuing the kingdom. Because here's what we know. The God that is sovereign over everything who is in control is also our father. You see, it's one thing to know that there is a king. It's another thing for that king to be your father. You see, when you understand that the king over the universe is not just some distant person who's up there ruling and reigning with no attachment to our feelings, emotions, or needs, but when you understand that the king who rules over everything is also a father who loves us unconditionally, it frees us from having to live with the burden of carrying the backpack full of rocks of going, man, I've got to uh, figure things out. No, no, no. We can say, no, no, no. I don't have to pursue the, the, the kingdom of this world. I don't have 
have to be anxious about my food and drink and marriage and all of these things that I worry about. I can release those things because I know the one in control knows me. He knows my name. He calls me his own and I can trust him because he is sovereign and he loves me as his own. This is where freedom happens in our life. And here's the thing that I want to give you is that because the king is also your father, there are some things that we can do practically that will help us navigate through the waters of anxiety. I want to give you a a couple of things to write down. This is just going to be super helpful and practical. So as we think about the shift of perspective, I've got to, don't be anxious about your life, but seek the kingdom. How can I do that? Though there's some truths I need to know about God, that he cares for me, that he will provide for me, and that he is sovereign over me, and he is my father. And because of that, there are some things in my life for me to put this into practice that'll be helpful in regards to allowing me to live in this reality of pursuing the kingdom. I want to encourage you to write some things down, very practical. The first is this. How do we live in this? The first is this. You need to protect your mind with God's word. You need to protect your mind with God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take, listen to this, circle this, every thought captive to obey Christ. Which simply means this, when the thoughts of anxiety and doubt and fear begin to bombard your mind, you you need to hold those thoughts accountable to the living word of God. You see, the word of God speaks a better word over us. It reminds us of the promises. It tells us of who we are and who is the one who holds us. And so when those negative thoughts of anxiety and fear creep into our life, we need to protect our mind with the word of God. You see, I've heard it said like this, is that the the emotions of our life or the negative thoughts of our life, the anxious thoughts of our life, it's like we're living our life at a bus stop. And if you're at a bus stop, there is a particular bus that you're wanting to ride because that bus is going to take you to the destination you know you need to be. And while you're at this bus stop, all kinds of buses going to different locations are going to come by. And you can't choose what buses come by the bus stop, but you can choose which bus you get on. And so as you fight anxiety and the stresses and fears and those thoughts and worries come by, you need to say, you know, that's not my bus. That's not my bus. I'm on the Jesus bus because God's word says to me this. God's word promises this. Jesus says, I am this. God says he will do this. And so I'm not going to get on that bus. I'm not going to take that path. I know who I am and I know where I'm going and I'm waiting on the Jesus bus. The way that you protect yourself from getting on the wrong bus is by protecting your mind with the word of God. Here's number two, write this down. Pray through your anxiety. So you protect your mind with God's word and then you pray through it. This is what Paul writes in Philippians chapter four. He says this in verse six, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Paul says, don't be anxious 
So what do you do when those anxious feelings come? You pray with thanksgiving and you make your petitions. You take those requests say, God, this is what's burdened me down. This is what's on my heart. This is the struggle. Listen, remember the words of Jesus. If you, We have an invitation to prayer. We have an invitation to step into the presence of our Father and say to Him, these are the things that I'm feeling. These are the thoughts that I'm having. These are the needs that I have. And I want to lay them at the feet of the One who is in control of all of them. We pray and we surrender those thoughts, those needs, those desires to the Lord. And then finally, listen, we press into the covenant community. We go to brothers and sisters in Christ who can join us in this. Some of you are in life group. And I would encourage you in those relationships, even in this season, as you get on Zoom on Sunday afternoons, be honest about your struggles, the anxiety that you're feeling. Let other believers speak into that. Call that friend, text that friend, tell them what's going on. This is what the scripture says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying is the way that we love one another is to bear the burdens that we're carrying. And we help shoulder the load. So that backpack and those burdens that we're carrying, we share that. We, we talk about it. And, and what happens in those relationships is that people are able to point us back to the promises of God. They're able to intercede and pray with us so that now we're not carrying this alone. We're, somebody is in our life helping us unload the rocks from the backpack and lay them at the feet of Jesus. Man, we need brothers and sisters in Christ in our life. And here's the great news. Here, here, is, here is much more powerful than anything that I've said so far. Here is the reality. When you think about all of these things that we face, the greatest, listen, the greatest anxiety of life is what's going to happen to me when this life is over. I mean, the greatest thing about all of the problems that you have in this life, they're all about the uncertainty of the future. What is going to happen to me? Am I going to be sustained? What's the, the bigger picture of life for me? And most of us, that's the anxiety. The little small things that we are anxious about are really because of maybe some uncertainty about our future being secured. And here is the greatest anxiety humanity has ever faced. It is the anxiety of what am I going to do with the sin that separates me from God? And what am I going to do when I die? Is there hope for me beyond the grave? And this is the great news of the gospel. The greatest anxiety that humanity has ever faced, Jesus has already dealt with in his death and resurrection. That the grave is empty. Next week, we are going to celebrate Easter together. And it is the reality that Jesus is put on a cross and he is crucified on Friday. But on Sunday, he resurrected and he defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. He dealt with our sin. And now in him, we can have a relationship with God and call him our father. And there is no uncertainty about what's going to happen to me when I die. I know that no matter what happens to me on this side of eternity, nothing can change the other side of eternity because the grave is empty. Jesus is alive and he is conquered the greatest enemy and the greatest anxiety we could ever face. And now, because of this, I can trust him with all of the smaller, smaller anxieties that I deal with each and every day. This is the hope of the gospel. That in Christ, my greatest anxiety, my greatest fear has been conquered. And now I can trust all of the other things in this life to the one who died for me and rose again. 
for some of you watching today, this has been an unbelievable season of anxiety for you. And you know Christ. You have a relationship with him. But man, you're just feeling the weight of the backpack. I want to plead with you as your pastor. Let's lay the backpack down. Let's remember who we are. And remember whose we are. And let's trust in the one that's in control of all things. And so maybe for some of you, it's you got to be more intentional about getting in the word. You've got to be more faithful in taking those anxieties in prayer. It may be that you need to call a brother or sister before the day is over and just say, I am stressed to the max. I just need someone to help me put down the backpack and trust Jesus with these areas of my life. And that's my prayer for you today. For others of you, you have never met Jesus. You've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior. And it is by no accident that you were watching today. And you need to know that the God of the universe loves you. He made you in his image. And he wants to adopt you as his own. He wants to move from God that's distant to a father that's near. A father that you can trust and you can rest in even in the greatest uncertainties of life. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, then today is the day. You see, how you are adopted into the family of God is simply this. John writes in John chapter 1, to as many as received him, who've received Jesus, to them he gave the rights to become children of God. So it's trusting in Christ. It's resting in his death and resurrection as your only hope. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, right now is the time. I'm going to ask you wherever you are, bow your heads and just pray this simple prayer. I say this every single week. The prayer is not a magical formula that you have to repeat as an incantation that causes you to be saved. But it, this prayer can be a, a way of helping you express your heart's desire to God. But if you'll confess these things from your heart to him, he will save you. Just, just say this wherever you are with your heads bowed. Just, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe today that you died for my sin. There is no hope without you. And I believe that you resurrected to give me life. I want to be adopted by God and know him as Father. Save me. Come into my life. Change me forever. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you. Text us, let us know. You can text NBBC to the number 313131. You're going to have an information form you'll fill out. And in there, you can let us know that, hey, I prayed today with Pastor Todd to give my life to Jesus. We want to send you some resources to help you begin this new journey. We would love to celebrate this with you. So if you've made that decision, don't keep it in. Let us know. If you're in need of prayer, we want you to know that our staff loves you and they want to pray for you. You can also text NBBC at 313131 so that we can pray for you. You can submit those prayer requests and I promise you our staff are going to take you before the Lord. Listen, I want to thank all of you for joining us this week. Uh, it has been an unbelievable, unbelievable new journey for us to have an empty auditorium preaching to a camera. I miss you like crazy. But I want you to know that we're in this together. Next week, we are going to have the opportunity to have, I believe, the largest Easter gathering this church has ever known. And I'm going to ask every single one of you to reach out to your friends, your family, coworkers. 
let's share this, let's post this, let's, let's invite everyone we know to join us next Sunday at 9.30 as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Easter will not be the same, but listen, I believe God has something even greater in store for us than if we were meeting here. You know why I know that? Because we're not going to be meeting here and he is in control of all of that. And so I believe that God has something great he's going to do online next week. And so be sure, invite friends, invite loved ones, and let's make much of the resurrection of Jesus so that the world may know that there is life found in Christ. I love you more than you know. Let me pray for you. And we'll have some closing words and be dismissed. Father, we love you. We thank you that there is today hope for us. And we can lay our anxiety down and pursue the kingdom that's greater than all of it. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our life, even now. We thank you that we're not alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray.